You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Galikas to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Night 172 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. MMA Oddsbreaker now has seven talented handicappers providing their bets for UFC Fight Night 172 via MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Check out the MMA Oddsbreaker Premium tab on MMAOddsbreaker.com and sign up today. Back to business, UFC Fight Night 172 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a welterweight contest between Anthony Ivey, who is 8-2, and two, and Christian Aguilera, who is 13-6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Real quick announcement here before we get rolling. I am pleased and honored to announce that I've joined the Circa Sports team located here in Las Vegas, part of the Golden Gate Hotel and Casino, the D Hotel in Las Vegas downtown, and soon to be the Circa Hotel and Resort that's opening downtown in December. So really proud to join this elite group and excited about what the future holds. So on this podcast, I'm going to be quoting odds from here in Las Vegas via CircaSports.com. So check those guys out. Uh, Getting right into the first fight, Ivy Aguilera. Ivy open minus 230, the comeback on Aguilera plus 170. The current odds at Circa Sports are currently minus 190 for Ivy, the comeback on Aguilera at plus 165. So line mergers have tightened up. There is two reaction coming into this fight, a little bit more dog action early on. Not too much, though. It's been kind of bouncing back and forth as we see across the Don Best screen in general. Man, this is kind of an interesting fight for sure because you have Ivy. He's kind of the more respected public opinion right now he was going to step in late notice last week and take on uh, Mearschart actually and then that um, obviously the Heinish fight got put back together so uh, he he stepped back out and he sat on the sidelines so UFC quickly rematched him and brought in Aguilera who's an LFA vet if you guys have watched Access TV and now in UFC Fight Pass as well you've seen this guy fight this guy's a stud he deserves to get the shot in the UFC so what you're going to get here is two powerhouses that have knockout power two guys that can also wrestle I mean, this should be a classic battle. I mean, these guys are going to definitely go back and forth. I mean, looking at Ivy a little bit closer, I was expecting a little bit more aggression from him. I was expecting, honestly, a little bit more of a flow to his game. He does have some decent technique on the feet. He's got some good kicks. He's got some good boxing. But he's more patient than I thought he would be. And Aguilera, on the other hand, he's got good boxing. He's got good wrestling and takedowns as well. Um, so this is going to be a back-and-forth type of scrap. And I think it can honestly go either way, to be you know, I mean, totally honest in, in this spot here. But I like Aguilera a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more experienced. He has the tougher opponents that he's faced thus far. And I think that with Ivy being so patient that he's going to let Aguilera kind of dictate this fight more so than he wants to. And Aguilera, again, with the wrestling might be able to get a takedown or two along the way. And he's got just tremendous knockout power. So I could realistically see this, like I said, go either way, but I'm leaning a little bit more towards the experience, the savvy vet and Aguilera because he's been in there with better competition. So this could go either way, but I'll lean with the dog here in this spot and I'm going to pick Aguilera to get the job done, but it should be an awesome fight to start off the night. Yeah, Ivy gets a ton of respect because, I mean, this guy was literally willing to step in on about a day or day and a half notice to take on Mearshart, uh, up a weight class. Um, so, I mean, mad props to this guy just for what he's willing to do to get his dream. And even though that fell through and then Mearshart's original opponent stepped back in, um, the UFC rewarded him by giving him an opportunity to make his real UFC debut at his natural weight class at 170. So, uh, he's much more dangerous at this weight. Um, being eight and two, uh, I think what is most impressive is that all eight of his wins are finishes. Uh, I think five knockouts and three submissions. So Ivy is definitely dangerous. He's got a lot of power. He's, uh, got some decent submission skills, not terrible on the ground either. Um, his biggest problem is uh, he gets submitted, though. But against Aguilera, that's really not a huge issue. Aguilera is more of a striker. I mean, this guy 
heavy-handed veteran. Um, the, the biggest difference between these two is that Aguilera just has a lot more experience uh, against some UFC caliber competition. I mean, Aguilera has, is a serious LFA veteran while Ivy was uh, the – Fury FC welterweight champ. So definitely a pretty big disparity in terms of who these guys have fought. But Aguilera has struggled a little bit at times. Uh, you know, he, he, he's main evented LFA cards, but he came up short. So, um, I think this is a very compelling matchup and Ivy definitely is, uh, capable of pulling this out. I mean, he's got power. He's got speed. He's got the athleticism advantage. Um, I think he's a little bit better wrestler. Uh, if he can get takedowns here, that would be probably be the easiest path to victory for him because on the feet, it's anybody's game. I mean, Aguilera, I kind of trust him on the feet a little bit more. Um, I mean, he hits real hard. I'm a little concerned about his chin after he's been hurt a few times on the feet, but, uh, I think Aguilera in terms of dishing it out, he is just as dangerous as Ivy, if not more so. And, the fact that he's been in there against a lot of tough, uh, savvy guys over the course of his career, um, he's going to bring a lot of experience into this fight. So both guys are making their UFC debut. I'd say Ivy is going to be a little bit more well-rounded here, but Aguilera, you, you can't sleep on him. So, you know, I've actually kind of talked myself into this, but I'm going to go with Ivy. I, I think that he's just a little bit quicker, a little bit more explosive, and he has a few more paths to victory because he can win on the feet because Aguilar has been hurt before, and he can win on the ground because he doesn't really have to worry about Aguilar submitting him. So I'm going to side with Ivy, but not at the current lines. I'm not very confident with a bet there, but I do think that uh, he has a few more paths to victory. So uh, he'll be my pick. Now... Dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Jordan Griffin, who is 18 and 7, taking on Derek Minner, who is 24 and 11. And this is a rematch. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Original opening odds that hit the market were Griffin minus 230, the comeback on Minner at plus 170. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently. Griffin minus 165, the comeback on Minner at plus 145. So line margins again have tightened up a little bit. And there has been two action coming into this fight. Obviously, Minner got bet down early on, and now you're seeing market-wide. Um, the line's starting to gradually go back up for Griffin as well. So I can understand the love on Minner early on. If you go back and watch their first fight, I mean, it was very interesting to say the least because Minner dominated round one. He was winning round two before he ended up getting caught by submission with a beautiful armbar, by the way, from Griffin, but he was setting up his own sub. Um, and, and that's just Minner for you. That's the problem here. And that's why I don't really have a lot of confidence. I think what Minner is obviously the better wrestler in this spot. He's going to be able to control the, where the action goes and he's going to dictate the early part of this fight. So that's the head scratcher here. I mean, that's what everybody's going to see. And that's why when you hopped into the dog money early on, those of you guys that took him, I, I totally get it. And I can respect that because he, he's capable of winning this fight. The problem for me with Minner is he's a front runner and he always finds a way to end up blowing the fight. Griffin is a little bit more steady. He's going to have the better uh, conditioning overall. He's got better submission defense. So all he has to do is weather that storm. He weathers round one. He weathers uh, the early part of round two. It's going to be a repeat performance. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. It wasn't only the Griffin fight um, that, that happened with Minner. I mean, his submission defense and his fight IQ at times is horrific, really. So I think he's got the talent to win this fight. If he fights really smart and consistent, he can win this fight on the cards. There's no doubt about it. Or he might be even, even able to finish Griffin. I mean, taking his back. I mean, he's a good submission artist as well. But again, defensively, I think Griffin is more sound and I think his conditioning is better. And I expect him to be losing early, but he's going to end up finishing Minner before it hits the scorecards. I mean, that's just my take on this. I just think Minner is too susceptible to, to kind of blowing fights and blowing early leads. And I think it's going to happen to him again. So my pick is Griffin, and I can understand why we're going to see some steam coming back in that way. It's probably right. I mean, like I said, early on, it might not look like it, but. Before you know it, um, I think Griffin's going to lock in another sub and probably end up finishing Minner. So my pick is Griffin, and I really do think he's going to win this fight. And that's what makes this fight so compelling is uh, Minner is going to be – is the type of fighter that wins fights up until he loses them, uh, which is kind of funny. But that's just the, the, the way he fights. He's aggressive. He's talented. But he just makes a lot of mistakes and gets caught. 
Um, it happened on contender series. He got triangle choked, uh, from top while in top position against Herbert Burns, who is actually a pretty t- darn talented fighter and has looked pretty good so far in his brief UFC run. Um, and then, uh, in his debut in the UFC against Grant Dawson, he got choked out. So, um, you know, he, he definitely is vulnerable to submissions and, uh, and obviously the, the last time they fought back in 2018, which, you know, just two and a quarter years ago, same thing happened. You know, he was winning, then he got caught with an arm bar. So, um, you know, I think the same similar thing is going to happen here. Uh, Griffin is the, the better striker. He's longer, taller, um, good reach advantage. Uh, I think Griffin will be winning the striking exchanges. Minner has the wrestling. He'll be looking for takedowns, trying to grind this out. And then Griffin's going to be looking for the submission. So I can see Minner winning this fight the first round, the second round. But at some point, I think Griffin catches him. Um, I think uh, Griffin is just a, a little bit too talented on the ground. And uh, Minner's submission defense has been historically suspect. So, uh, it's a very, it's possible that Minner just grinds this out and wins a decision, but I just think the far more likely outcome is that Griffin catches him at some point, either on the feet or on the ground. But if it goes to decision, I like Minner. If it's a, if it gets finished, uh, it's going to be Griffin. And I think uh, Griffin can finish it, especially in, uh, these smaller cages. Now, dropping down to the, Flyweight division, we have Tyson Nam, who is 18, 11, and 1, taking on Zarek Adeshev, who is 3 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Market price for Nam opened minus 245, the comeback on Adeshev at plus 175. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is about a buck 20, minus 120, the comeback on Adeshev around even money. So, Another spot where we're seeing a tremendous amount of dog action come in on Adeshev. I mean, from plus 175 opening price market wise to all the way down to about even money. We're seeing some plus 05s on the Donbass screen as well. I understand. I mean, if you could get Adeshev at plus 175, man, this guy's a phenomenal striker. I mean, he's a kickboxer um, at heart. That's where he came from. He's a glory kickboxer. He's got a decent amount of experience in kickboxing. He's an elite level striker. Love what I see with this guy on the feet. He's got a little bit smaller than Nam in this fight. I mean, he's, but he's more explosive. He's got a more diverse striking skill set and he could do some damage for sure on the feet. I mean, Nam is a savvy vet. He's been in there with a lot of good strikers. So he's going to be prepared, obviously. But I mean, I think the speed and the diversity, again, of Adeshev's striking is going to actually pay dividends here. And he's going to be able to pick Nam apart as it goes and maybe even finish him. Nam has been finished in uh, past fights. Uh, he's a bit chinny. I mean, overall, it hasn't shown as of late. But, I mean, there's times that he's definitely been hurt and he's been put out before as well. So Adeshev is one of those strikers that as he gets in his flow, I definitely think he can have success and do that. My only concern here is he's taking this fight on super short notice. And Adeshev, if you look at him, he's still a little bit raw in his MMA career. I mean, he's developing his ground game still. He's working on it. It's gotten a lot better. I mean, this guy has some really nice throws, um, better wrestling than we all anticipate at this level. So you could tell from his first the debut loss to where he's at right now. I mean, his game has definitely come a long, long way. He's been putting in the work and he continues to get better. And I expect to, to see an even better version of him here. But the problem is I do see maybe some conditioning issues, especially like I said, if this fight's obviously on short notice for him, we could see him start to slow down. And then that's where Nam could actually get some takedowns. I mean, Nam is going to be okay on the feet for a little while. It'll be competitive, right? He can, he'll be able to hold his own. But at the same time, I think Nam, if he was smart here, he will get some takedowns. And if you look deep into his fights, he does go for takedowns. I mean, you have to kind of filter through and, and watch a lot of Nam's footage because he doesn't do it as often. But there are instances in his fight film that you do see him going for those body like body lock trip type of takedowns. And he, he uses wrestling when he has to. And this this is a spot where he's going to have to. And if he's capable of doing so, especially if he could survive the early couple rounds, I think he could get position on Adeshev late. But with all that being said, I still like what I see from this prospect, man. Adeshev, like I said, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be the much younger fighter. He's going to be the fresher fighter. Um, again, I'm a little bit concerned. He's a little bit more raw for sure, and he's still developing his game. But, man, it's hard not to pick him. I'm going to pick him straight out here. I think that uh, you know this fight really matches up well for him. And I think he's at dog price. If you guys – 
clobbered that plus 175, man, hats off to you because that was tremendous value. Um, but still, even at plus 105, even at even money, I mean, you can argue that he could be a slight favorite in this fight. So I get it. It's going to be a tough fight for him. I mean, I'm not ultra confident because, like I said, he's still kind of learning as he goes um, as far as the MMA realm goes. And he's fighting a really savvy vet in Nam. He's been in there with just some great competition throughout his career. So not taking anything away from Nam. But still, I like what I see in Adeshev, and I think that this is a good spot for him. So I'll, I will lean and pick Adeshev to win. But again, it can't be an overly confident pick just because he's facing the hardest fight of his life here in Nam. Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with Adeshev. I mean, yes, he's coming in on short notice, but this guy is crazy talented being a former uh, world champion kickboxer. I mean, he went 16-3 and in glory before transitioning to MMA, and after losing that debut uh back in uh, ring of combat now he's uh, won his last three fights all in bellator so uh he really hasn't faced a lot of really talented mma fighters yet this is a huge step up in mma competition but considering that i think this fight is going to be a stand-up fight i think tyson nam is just outgunned um yes the threat of the takedown is there but um adeshev has added a little bit of grappling to his game he's Got some decent throws, so as long as he can kind of use that in reverse, I think he's in good shape. I mean, Tyson Nam is a dangerous striker. He's got power. Um, he can knock you out with a head kick like he did against a former UFC flyweight contender Ali Bagatinov. Uh, he's got power in his hands when he knocked, like he knocked out former Bellator champ Eduardo Dantes that really kind of springboarded his career a little bit. So he's got talent, he's got power, but he's 36 years old as a flyweight. And after going 0-2 in his first two UFC fights, uh, back against the wall here for sure. Um, this is tough. I mean, stand-up fight unless, uh, Adeshev uh, gases or gets caught. I don't really see Nam winning a striking battle here. Like he needs to mix things up and use the rest of his game because on the feet, he's outgunned, especially as a counter striker. Um, I just think it's going to be really tough for him to find those openings. Um, Nam's been in there against some really good strikers in the past and he just got obliterated. Like look, uh, what happened when he fought Marlon Moraes back in world series of fighting. And this was pretty early in Marlon's career. So, that did not end well. And yes, Adeshev is not as well-rounded or talented as Marais is yet. But, I mean, his striking is no joke, especially as a southpaw with some power. Um, I think uh, I think this is going to be a tough fight for Nam. And I'm not shocked that the public came in hard on Adeshev with that early line. So I'm going to side with Adeshev as well. I think he outstrikes Nam over the course of three rounds, potentially even knocks him out along the way. So my pick is Adeshev. Now, moving up to the women's bantamweight division, we have Julia Avila, who is seven and one taking on Gina Mazzani, who is six and three. Now, Nick, What's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Avila open minus 245, the comeback on Mazzani at plus 175. And right now we're looking over at Circus Sports, currently minus 540 for Avila and the comeback on Mazzani at plus 425. So needless to say, steam came in early on on Avila. It's right, man. I mean, there's no question about it here. I understand why. I mean, if you're grabbing Avila at minus 245, it's almost highway robbery, to be honest with you. Um, stylistically, I have a lot of respect for Mazzani. Let me just tell you that right now. I mean, it's not like I, th- I think she's um, a bad fighter. I think she's just going to be overwhelmed here against Avila. I mean, I, I just think it's a tough, tough matchup for her. I think, like I said, uh, overall, Mazzani has a pretty solid ground game. She's working on her stand-up game. She's not a bad fighter at all. She's a tough out for a lot of female competitors in the UFC. But against Avila here, I mean, I just see Avila just putting the pressure on her, hitting a lot harder. She's better in a clinch. Uh, she's got more capable stand-up uh, in space as well. She's got good takedown game, and she's not out of her realm on the floor either. I mean, that's where she probably doesn't want to play too much with Mazzani in this spot is basically, you know, avoiding the ground unless she gets top position. I think she could be okay there, but you don't want uh, Mazzani uh, getting to your back and taking your back and, and making uh, life a little bit miserable or making it interesting for sure. So Avila has to avoid Mazzani probably taking her back or an armbar off the bottom. Um, but other than that, man, I think Avila is going to make it kind of look easy. She's going to be able to outpoint Mazzani. She might be able to finish her as the fight progresses as well. So that's why everybody's coming in on Avila. I mean, she's legit. I mean, I think sky's the limit for her. Uh, she's a future title contender possibly. I mean, the way she's really 
excelling right now. And what we see from her, I, I really think that's a reality for her. So a lot to like about Avila here, and this is a great matchup for her to keep on climbing that ladder. So I just think the pressure is going to be too much for Mazena here, and I think Avila is going to get it done, maybe even inside the distance. But if not, she'll win on the scorecard. So the pick is Avila, obviously, at the betting window. you got to stay away from it. I mean, the value's been taken out of this fight big time. I mean, those people that hopped in at minus 245, minus 300, minus 350-ish, minus 400 on up, they beat us all to it. So I'm not personally touching this fight at this point. Um, and I don't think either, you know, should anybody out there, you guys should probably leave it alone at this point. But still, the pick is Avila for me. It should be pretty clear cut, I think, overall. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, probably the most one-sided fight on the whole card. Um, Julia Avila is in a division that is sorely lacking fresh blood. Um, she is somebody that I think could make a huge run at women's bantamweight and be fighting for a title in like a year. Um, I mean, she may not be ready for Amanda Nunes, but I think the UFC will probably be pushing her, especially if she performs in this fight like I think she will. Um, I mean, she made a tremendous UFC debut, uh, taken on Pani Kianzad, uh, dropping her twice. Um, I mean, she show showcases some serious power, uh, in the standup and, um, Gina Mazzani, you know, she's gone one and three in the UFC. She actually got released after going one and three, um, earned her way back. She's taken this fight on about five days notice, um, stepping in. And I mean, she's just outgunned here. I mean, on the feet, she just has no chance, I think, against Avila. Uh, she can't keep up with her power. She can't keep up with her pace. She can't keep up with her technique. Maybe Mazzani could be a threat with a, a little bit of submission skills, but uh, Avila's defensive wrestling is more than sufficient here to, to keep this fight standing. And uh, Mazzani's already been finished before by uh, Macy Chieson, somebody with not even close to Avila's pedigree of striking. So I think this is going to be a massive blowout. Nick said that there might be a stoppage here. Uh, I think there's almost certainly going to be a stoppage here. Um, I think Avila takes Mazzani out in the first round, and I'd be surprised if this hit the over. So my pick is going to be Julia Avila. I think that this is going to be a, a shellacking. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Charles Rosa, who is 12 and 12-4, taking on Kevin Aguilar, who is 17-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Market price, Aguilar, minus 140. The comeback on Rosa, even money. That was the opener. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is minus 175 for Aguilar. Comeback on Rosa, plus 155. So another spot where we're seeing more action coming on the favorite here. If you could get Aguilar minus 140, hats off to you again, because I think that was a great grab, great price. Obviously he does have some advantages in this fight. He's just a better striker. He's got more power on the feet. He's got good wrestling where he's not going to get taken down in this spot. Rosa, I mean, that's usually the key to his game a little bit is the ground. I mean, he usually has a ground advantage. I mean, despite other than Thug Nasty in his last fight. That was a crazy good performance from Thug Nasty, by the way. But that said, Aguilar is no Thug Nasty. And this is going to be more of a stand-up affair. And Rosa, like I said, he usually has the advantage over most on the ground. But this is a different case here. And I actually think as I dug a little bit deeper in this fight, I mean, as the line kind of climbs on Aguilar, you got to be careful and you got to be cautious because Rosa is no joke on the feet either. I mean, he's got that unorthodox, almost point fighting karate style. He utilizes a lot of leg kicks, a lot of uh, kicks, period, which can really throw people off their game and it can be very effective. He throws them pretty fast, pretty hard, pretty accurate. And then at the same time, his hands aren't that bad. I mean, he just kind of wings these punches and if he hits you with the bad, there's some power behind him with that unorthodox striking that he has. So I do think that this is kind of a tough spot um, for both fighters here because Aguilar's coming off of two losses in a row. And in those two losses, I mean, to awesome competition, there's no doubt about that. But he he was hurt bad, even in the fight that he lost um, to uh, that they didn't get finished, really, to Ige, Ige. He got hurt bad in that fight against Ige. And then to Hugoff just torched him in the first round, which was kind of a head-scratcher. I wasn't expecting him to get torched by Tuhugov like that, but Tuhugov does have that kind of power, of course, and, you know, I mean, it, we were almost waiting for performance to come, and it, unfortunately, came into this last So that said, Aguilar's two 
very difficult fights he's coming off of. And I think those are tough performances to kind of bounce back, and he needs a bounce back fight. But Rosa, he doesn't have the power of Sakugov or Yige. I'm not saying that. But still, he's got that unorthodox striking skill that it makes it a little bit interesting as the fight progresses a little bit and the line climbs higher. So at this point, it's hard to bet it. I mean, it's hard to lay minus 190s out there. Again, Circa has minus 175. There's minus 180s on the Dombest screen as well. So the higher the price, you got to stay away from it. I think the value, again, is probably gone from 100 minus 140 or so. That was the time to kind of pounce on Aguilar, minus 140s, minus 150s. But if you're having to lay minus 170 and above, I think it's time to step back a little bit and be cautious because maybe we're all underestimating Rosa here in this spot. It's almost a must-win fight for him as well, and this fight will end up playing out on the feet. I mean, there's no doubt about that, because like I said, Aguilar has the takedown defense to keep this upright, and he usually is not the type to look to get this fight to the ground, and he doesn't want to do that with Rosa anyway. So this fight will stay up. Aguilar definitely has the power and the striking advantage here, but Rosa's going to be game, so be cautious out there. I'm going to pick Aguilar to win, of course, because I do think he has the striking advantage, um, and I see him winning this fight. I'm just not as sold on him right now coming off of two losses in a row that were pretty tough and going a very against going against a very game competitor like Rosa that we're probably all underestimating a little bit. So my pick is Aguilar. I think it should be a heck of a fight. It should be a fun one to watch. It might be one of the fights of the night here, honestly. Yeah. And I like uh, Aguilar as well. Um, I think actually the, the thing that I like the most about this fight is that it's taken place at lightweight. Um, Aguilar, the, the, the biggest thing that was scaring me heading into this is that Aguilar has taken some damage in his last two losses, getting finished by Tuhugov and, and getting beat up pretty bad by Ige. Um, so the fact that it's at lightweight, he's making, he's not having to cut nearly as much weight. He's going to be less drained. I think, uh, when you don't, when you fight at a higher weight class, you can uh, absorb a little bit more punishment. So I'm not nearly as worried. Uh, about Aguilar getting clipped and hurt in this fight. Um, especially because Rosa really isn't known for having a lot of power. I mean, he's got a, a decent kicking game. He might be able to, to land something, but I think it's less likely be, because it's taking place at lightweight instead of featherweight where these guys naturally fight. So, um, at lightweight, uh, I think this stays standing. Um, Aguilar, as Nick said, Aguilar's, uh, takedown defense is pretty good and Rosa really isn't that much of a wrestler. So, uh, in a pure stand-up fight, Aguilar is the more technical striker. He's the more powerful striker. Um, he's the more experienced striker. Um, Rosa is active. So, you know, Aguilar has to keep up with Rosa if Rosa's going to throw a lot of volume his way, but I, I don't think that'll be too much of an issue. Um, Aguilar is just a lot better than Rosa on the feet and, uh, more experienced. He can, as long as he doesn't just eat some big nasty kick, uh, he should be in good shape. I mean, Rosa's only a few weeks removed from just getting absolutely dominated, uh, on the ground by Bryce Mitchell. Uh, really, really demoralizing loss. And I think we could be seeing not quite the level of domination because I mean, that was like a, a 30 24 type of fight. But, um, I still think that it's, uh, in the opposite direction of where he got crushed on the ground by Mitchell, I think in this fight he's going to be outgunned on the feet by Aguilar. So uh, I just think it's a tough matchup for Rosa. And unless he hurts Aguilar at some point, um, I think it's going to be uh, Aguilar winning. So um, I think Aguilar probably by decision is the, the most likely outcome of this fight. So he's going to be my pick. Now... Moving on to the preliminary headliner, we have Maria Agapova, who is eight and one, taking on Hannah Cyphers, who is ten and five. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Agapova opened minus 155 to come back on Cyphers at plus 115. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently Agapova minus 310 to come back on Cyphers at plus 260. Across the down best screen, we're seeing minus 300s right now. So those of you guys that hopped on Agapova, minus 155, again, hats off to you. You guys got a great line value. Anything, honestly, minus 190, 200, 210, 215, good line value for sure. Because, I mean, I, look, I have a lot of respect for Cyphers, another very talented young lady. She's got good striking, underrated striking. I mean, if you look at her fight recently against Mackenzie Dern, which wasn't obviously too long ago, she was doing okay, man, before that fight went to the ground with Dern. And obviously, Dern has that huge advantage on the ground. but 
Um, her takedown v- defense for Cypress seems to be getting better all the time. She's got power on the feet and she's got clean technique. So she's a capable striker and she's going over, going against Agapova here in this spot, which is also known for her striking ability, right? So you have a striker versus striker matchup. The problem is Cypher's moving up from 115 pounds, taking on a natural flyweight. Um, and Agapova, which is a big flyweight, to be honest with you. I mean, her size here, she's going to have like eight inches of pure reach, a big height advantage to go along with it. So, I mean, that's strike one for sure going against Cyphers right away. And then I'd factor in that Agapova is only getting better. She's training at American Top Team. I mean, all those awesome training partners that she has is starting to really pay off. And, and you can see the improvements in her game as well. This chick is definitely a very tough out on the feet. And not just that, I think where her advantage lies the most, if she's able to get top position on Cypher, she's going to brutalize Cypher's on the ground with ground and pound. So I think Cypher's is going to be game. I think it'll go back and forth for a little bit. Cypher's is definitely going to be connecting along the way. And Agapova has to respect that power and that, that striking skill from Cypher's for sure. But those liver kicks that Agapova throws are nasty. And again, that reach and the pace that she sets, I think she can hurt Cypher's on the feet. And I think she can obviously hurt her and, and finish her on the ground. Agapova's getting better in her submission game as well. So I think she has a submission advantage on the ground here as well. A lot to like about Agapova. So that's why everybody steamed her up. And I think it's probably right now where the line is currently. I'm not take, telling anybody to bet that. I mean, again, minus 210s, minus 200s, minus 155. That's a big difference in minus 300. So I would not lay minus 300 on Agapova here, even though I think she's going to win. I wouldn't even throw her to parlay. I mean, if there's no value, it's straight. You shouldn't throw her in a parlay at this point either. So just stay away from it. We missed the boat again. If you didn't bet it already um, at the lower number, just stay away from it. You have to be disciplined. I mean, part of this game in general, the betting game is being disciplined and picking your spots. So if it's a pass, it's a pass. Unfortunately, right now where the current line is, it's a pass. So I'm going to pick Agapova to win. I think she beats Cyphers, and she probably finishes her, to be honest with you. I don't see this fight getting out of probably the second round. It might trickle into round two, but... Beyond that, I, I find it hard to believe because there's just too much firepower back and forth. I mean, and especially, obviously, toward, for Agapova. I mean, she's going to be the one that's landing the more vicious shots. She's going to be the bigger, stronger fighter. So I think she could find a finish. She might even hurt Cyphers on the feet or, like I said, get top position and finish her on the ground, maybe even take her back and, and sink into choke. So I could see a lot of ways for Agapova to win this fight, and she's probably going to do so. So my pick is Agapova. Cyphers is always game, though. No disrespect to her. I just think it's a bad matchup for her. The toughest thing for Cyphers here is she's stepping in on short notice. She just fought a couple weeks ago. And honestly, before that, she was looking okay against Mackenzie Dern. She landed some decent shots on the feet, but then horrible fight IQ uh, allowed or closed the distance, screwed around way too much in the clinch area, went to the ground, and Dern immediately locked in a knee bar and tapped her out. I mean, it was lightning quick. You just can't screw around with one of the best grapplers in the division. Um, so, and now she's taking a super short notice fight, just like two weeks later, moving up a weight class against one of the best prospects in the division. Uh, I just think that that's a tough, tough, tough thing to do. Um, you know, Cypress's game, she's got power. She's, uh, got some good technique on the feet, but man, she's given up a lot of size against a, a really talented flyweight here in Agapova. Uh, you know, I think one of the first, uh, Kazakhstan based, uh, female fighters, uh, to fight in the UFC. So, uh, I, am really impressed with what I've seen out of Agapova. I think her only loss so far was getting, uh, out wrestled, but, um, by, uh, Tracy Cortez, but, uh, in Invicta, she looked nasty with, uh, two impressive first round stoppage victories that, uh, earned her an opportunity to, uh, compete here in the UFC. So, uh, I think that she is uh, going to be a, a player in uh, the 125-pound division as she continues to develop because uh still just 23 years old. Um, now, uh, if Cyphers is going to win, I think it has to be on the feet. I mean, that's her bread and butter. She's got good technique there. She's got the power. But uh if this goes to the ground, I think she's in trouble. Um Obviously, Agapova is not a Mackenzie Dern on the ground, but she's bigger and uh, she has a lot of finishes on the ground. Both of her wins in Invicta were on the ground, one by a uh, ground and pound and the other by a rear naked choke. Um, she's dangerous on the canvas. She's got some submissions, um, and she's got power. So, uh, as Nick said, Agapova could hurt her on the feet, but, um, I think on the feet, it's at least going to be competitive because Cyphers does have some good technique there and, uh, she could crack Agapova. So, 
I think this will be interesting while it's standing, even though uh, Agapova is going to have some big physical advantages. But uh, if this goes to the ground, I think Agapova gets top position and she does not let Cyphers go from there. So uh, I'm a little concerned Agapova could get a finish against Cyphers. Um, but uh, so I'm going to side with uh, Agapova. I think this is a dangerous fight because Cyphers does have the power and some technique on the feet. But I think the well-roundedness of Agapova and the, the big size advantage should play into her favor. So my pick is going to be Agapova. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a bantamweight contest between Jordan Espinoza, who is 14 and 7, and Mark De La Rosa, who is 11 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Espinosa open minus 225, the comeback on De La Rosa at plus 185. And right now over at Circus Sports, we are seeing minus 160 for Espinosa, the comeback plus 140 for De La Rosa. So another spot from market price, market openers down to from plus 185 down to plus 140. So some steam coming in on the dog. And you know what? At first I thought, eh, people are probably going the wrong way. But then after digging further into footage and getting a refresher again on both guys, obviously we know these guys, right? But this is why it always pays to dig a little bit deeper. I mean, those of us that are diehard fans, those of us that have been following the sport for a long, long time. I mean, we see these guys compete all the time. So it, but that being said, you still need to go back and again, take a deeper look at how the matchup actually works. And for me, Espinoza was definitely the early lean, but after I dug in, I mean, Espinoza, you can see so many flaws in his game, and I actually think that De La Rosa is far more technical everywhere the fight takes place. I mean, the advantages that Espinoza has, in my opinion, here in this spot are, are his athleticism. He's fast, he's strong, he's got better wrestling, which is key. I mean, that's probably going to do enough if he doesn't get caught with anything crazy to win him the fight. So if he hits the scorecards, I can see Espinoza winning a pretty competitive decision, though. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think he does probably win on the scorecards. But the problem is, for him, again, defensively, he gets clipped on the feet. De La Rosa's striking is actually decent. If you look a little bit closer in that Alex Perez fight, which Perez is getting a lot of credibility right now and recognition because he just destroyed Formiga and you know he's obviously on the rise and one of the best flyweights in the world potentially getting a title shot soon right but if you look closer at that De La Rosa Formiga or uh, De La Rosa Perez fight you could actually see De La Rosa doing some pretty decent things on the feet to the point where Perez wanted to get the fight to the floor and kind of control the action that way instead of kind of playing things out in the feet a little bit more with De La Rosa so that says a lot De La Rosa's boxing is a bit underrated now that said he's coming off of you know a tough loss of course and, and you, that has to kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit because if, if you're seeing, you know, a fighter get knocked out and finish like he did in his last fight against Piva, Piva's a, a phenomenal fighter, by the way. I mean, I think he's a legit fighter, so that's not necessarily a bad loss. And you look at the losses before that, his decision lost again in Perez and France, not bad losses for De La Rosa. So I think those were kind of a tough little run there that he had in the last three fights, but he's 0-3. But that last fight especially, I mean, you, you have to definitely raise your eyebrow. And Espinosa definitely has that kind of fight changing power with that explosion and that speed that he has if he connects it's going to definitely hurt and he could hurt De La Rosa on the feet but overall I don't like his defense on the feet though I think De La Rosa again more technical boxing he's just a better striker overall I think he actually has the better submission game as well I think Espinoza's a suspect on the ground as far as submission defense goes at times offensively he's not bad he can you know obviously hit a sub in his own right but I think defensively sound is the problem here that's my main concern with those Espinoza so I've actually been going back and forth on this fight um, more than I thought I would to be honest with you I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Espinoza, I guess. But again, I mean, you guys might want to check the staff picks overall for this fight because this is the kind of fight that after wins, I could flip my pick to De La Rosa because um, I've been kind of bouncing back and forth. Like I said, I really think it's a dog or pass situation. After looking at it early on, I thought to myself, Espinoza's probably the right side. I, I totally flipped on this fight, meaning that I think, if anything, the value's on the dog here. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if De La Rosa actually pulls off this fight and maybe even finishes Espinoza. So, but with that said, if it hits the cards, as I mentioned a few times already, I think Espinoza can probably earn a decision. So I'll lean slightly towards Espinoza, but stay away from laying that chalk. It's a dog or pass situation for sure, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm going to side with Espinoza as well. I just think he's uh, the more athletic fighter. He's got some physical advantages, even though they, they both typically are flyweights, both fighting at bantamweight here. And uh, Espinoza is the better wrestler. I think he's the better striker. So... 
realistically, the, the, the best chance for victory for De La Rosa is to catch Espinosa with a submission. And I think that's going to be tough. I, I don't see De La Rosa look, getting a takedown, pulling one off. Cause I think Espinosa's defensive wrestling is good enough to avoid that. But De La Rosa might be able to pull something off if Espinosa shoots for a takedown himself and brings it to the fight, which could be his undoing because De La Rosa is definitely the better submission fighter. And Espinosa is a little bit uh, vulnerable with uh, his submission defense. So I'm a little concerned about that. But other than that, I think Espinosa can control the stand-up. I don't think he can dominate the stand-up. You know, De La Rosa is not terrible on the feet. He's not good. But he can, uh, you know, land some decent shots every once in a while and keep Espinosa honest there. Um, and on the ground, while I do see Espinosa securing top position, if it does go there because of uh, having the, the wrestling edge, um, you know, he's playing with fire. De La Rosa is a decent grappler. And, um, and he could throw up an arm bar or a triangle or, or something. So I'm, I'm nervous about this fight because I can see Espinosa making mistakes. Um, but I'm still going to side with them. Uh, neither of these guys have had a lot of success so far in the UFC, but I still think that Espinosa has the talent to turn it around and eventually, uh, become a guy that, uh, could pick up a few quality wins in the UFC. I think De La Rosa's more got his back against the wall and I'm not quite sure that he, uh, is able to stay in the UFC after this one, because I'm going to side with Espinosa. So my pick is going to be Espinosa probably by decision. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Andre Feely, who is 20 and 7, taking on Charles Jourdain, who is 10 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Feely open minus 175, Jourdain plus 150. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we are seeing Feely at minus 220, the comeback plus 190 on Jordan. Man, this is an awesome fight. I mean, obviously, Feely getting steamed up a little bit from the opening market price. I understand it. Feely's a tough out, man. I mean, he, his excel lately, recently to, towards the top has been phenomenal. That fight, I know he's coming off of a setback to the hands of Yusuf. Yusuf is just an outstanding fighter, though. I mean, he's a future title contender as well. So that was a good fight. Hard-earned victory for Yusuf, for sure. But Feely, man, is, is just an absolute stud. I mean, look at the wins he had right before that. Um, some very quality wins and, and so just some great fights in general. Feely's getting better. You could see it in his game. He's one of the better strikers, for sure. And the weight class, I think his wrestling has gotten to the point where he could take most opponents down and he could control the fight there. He obviously has a submission game to go along with it. The guy's just awesome, man. I mean, and it's such a tough out for anybody in the weight class. But that being said, Jordan has been nothing but impressive to me, man. I mean, especially at 145 pounds. He made his debut, let's not forget, at, at lightweight, taking on Green on short notice. So uh, I think that that was actually a pretty respectable performance. But then he got back on track, got a win in his last fight, looked very impressive there as well. This is going to be a tough fight for Feely, man. I mean, the more I look at it, the more I think Jordan might be live here in this spot because of the pace that he pushes, the pressure that he puts on. He's got power. The guy has uh, limitless cardio. That he just pushes such a high pace. So he's going to be in Feely's face for sure. He's going to be eating some shots, which is dangerous from the guy like Feely. I mean, his kicks are nasty. He's got good power in his hands as well. I think Feely's going to have to probably want to take this fight to the ground. Um, at times, and he's going to want to control this fight. Jordan does have a wrestling background, so it might not be easy at times, but Feely does still have that control advantage, and he is the better wrestler here. So he's going to have his timely opportunities to get the fight to the floor. But still, I think Jordan's going to find his way back up to the feet at times, and he's going to keep on putting that pressure on. And if he finds that chin of Feely, man, who knows what can happen here. So this is another spot. I think the opening line was a lot more fair, honestly, at minus 175 than the current price. Um, at minus 220, because I, I do think Jordan's getting overlooked here in some ways, even though Feely deserves the respect. I think he does probably win this fight. I'm going to pick him to win this fight, but this is another spot where it's a dog or pass situation. I don't think you can confidently lay the price on Feely at minus 220 just because the the pace and the type of fighter that Jordan pushes, man. I mean, he's got the power. He's got, again, the a decent. I mean, at times it's a little bit unorthodox too with Jordan. Um, he likes to throw a lot of jumping knees. He likes to kind of mix things up. It looks maybe, I don't want to say sloppy, but a bit wild at times. But at the same time, it's not awful technique. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He's got good timing. He's got good accuracy. And like I said, that pressure is just relentless, man. So not an easy 
guy to lay in Feely here in this chalk spot. So for me, it's a dog or pass situation. As far as a pure pick goes, of course I'm going to pick Feely. I mean, he should be the favorite in this fight. Um, there's no doubt about that, but I, I just still think it's a difficult betting spot. So either bet Jordan or stay away from it, in my opinion. But my pick is going to be Feely to win in what should be an awesome fight. This might be the fight of the night, to be honest with you. I mean, this card from top to bottom, I know there's a lot of people talking smack out there that it doesn't have that mega star power on here with, uh, you know, the headliner on down or whatever. But this is a great card. I mean, this is going to be a fun card. And if you're a true fan of the sport, I think that you can enjoy a card like this for sure. So I think a lot of people are going to be surprised of how good from top to bottom this ends up being. I mean, I think there's going to be some exciting fights on this card. So this is definitely one of them that I'm really looking forward to. So my pick, though, is going to be Feely to get the slight edge over Jordan. And I think it'll be a little bit easier for Feely. Um, the main thing here is Jordan has power. But other than that... Uh, I'm really not convinced that he has a lot more paths to victory. I mean, Feely has been knocked out before, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. And Jordan did come pull off a, a pretty big knockout as a big underdog in his uh, last fight against Duho Choi. But uh, Feely is a, a more experienced fighter than Choi. He's more well-rounded. He has a pretty good wrestling game. And I think he is still the more technical striker compared to Jordan. So I can see Feely winning this fight by outpointing Jordan on the feet. But uh, where I really see him winning this fight is taking Jordan down and uh, beating him up on the ground because uh, Feely does have the wrestling edge in this fight as well. Um, Jordan's best path to victory is if this does stay standing and... Feely gets a little too comfortable and just leaves himself open to, to getting a, a big counter shot because uh, Jordan definitely has the power to end this fight at any moment's notice. Uh, as you saw in the Choi fight, uh, really cracked Choi with a big one, big uh, right hand, I believe, that uh, just sent him crash into the canvas. So um, Jordan has that ability that he could knock Feely out. Um, Feely has been submitted uh, before as well, but I'm not nearly as confident in Jordan's uh, submission skills. So um, if Jordan's going to win, he's got a puncher's chance. But other than that, I just think Feely has way more paths to victory. And honestly, Feely is the better striker of the two. So um, I think Feely can win on the feet and on the ground. So I'm going to pick him. Now, moving down to the Bantamweight division, we have Marib Devalishvili, who is 10 and 4, taking on Gustavo Lopez, who is 11 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Devalishvili opened minus 300, the comeback on Lopez plus 220. And right now, again, it's not really everywhere as far as line goes. It's been posted at a few places, so market price, what we're seeing right now, is about minus 700 plus 460s out there, minus 700 450s, 800 550. So between 7 and 800 for Develish Feely over Lopez. And it got bet up, obviously, for minus 300. So a low opener, I understand why it got bet up. I mean, Develish Feely is just a beast, man. I mean, a tough one to gauge, though, because I'll tell you what. Gustavo Lopez, those of you guys that don't know him, he's the Combate America's Bantamweight champion, and this guy is a stud. I mean, he definitely deserves this roster spot that he got um, in the late call that he got. He's taking this fight on super short notice, so obviously, with the event being on Saturday. So not a lot of preparation time, but he did say that he's always game and he's always prepared. So you got to love that, and I believe that in Lopez, man. So this guy's definitely a tough out for most fighters. He's got thunder in his fist, man. The guy has a ton of knockout power. He's got accuracy. He's got good wrestling to go along with it. So he's a total pack. I mean, Lopez is legit. Like I said, he's going to win some fights in the Bantamweight division. There's no doubt about that. So this is a good addition to the roster. The problem is here, he's facing a guy that's just a machine. Devalishvili is going to close that gap quickly. He's going to look to grind him out. He's going to just give him no space to maneuver. I mean, he's going to be looking for those takedowns repeatedly. He's going to try to get position on the ground and pound him out. And, of course, if he if he doesn't get him out of there, um, if Lopez doesn't start to slow down by the end of the third or whatnot, and, and him and Devashvili finding that finish, then he's going to probably end up grinding out a unanimous decision. So that's why everybody's betting that chalk. They weren't hesitating to lay minus 300 or so. But again, where the line is now, I think it's a little bit disrespectful for Lopez, though. I think people are betting it a little bit too up, too far up, honestly. Um, even though Divashvili is definitely, like I said, a machine and he's on the rise, and a lot of people believe he's the next title contender as well, one of these guys that's definitely in the mix. Um, a lot to like about Divashvili. But that being said, you got to respect Lopez a little bit here. And I think the line did get kind of out of hand. But all that... 
has to kind of go out the window because I am picking Devashvili. I think he is going to grind him out. I think he is going to be a little bit too much in the wrestling realm. But, man, don't sleep on Lopez's hands here. Devashvili better be cautious with his entries. I think he will be. I mean, he showed us time and time again. Um, the guy's a pretty smart fighter. He's got a pretty durable chin overall. Um, so he'll be okay in this spot, I would think. But um, this is going to be an interesting fight. But I think it's, we're going to probably see in the machine – Keep on grinding here, and he's going to win the fight. So at, at the betting window, though, get out of here. Don't even lay 700, man. You're just asking for a crazy beat. Uh, Lopez, like I said, he's better than most people think. But that being said, I, it's hard to pick against Divashvili here. So I'm going to pick uh, Divashvili to get the W here, probably by decision, maybe even a late stoppage. But he's going to get the W. Yeah, and I'm going to side with Divashvili, too. Um, he's just too talented. Um, on the feet, this is interesting because um, – Lopez definitely is the the more dangerous striker. You know, this guy has some power in his hands. He's on a nice little run uh, that he had in Combate, avenging uh, one of his losses with uh, an impressive stoppage victory against Jose Alde. Um, he's looked good, uh, you know, three first-round finishes in a row. So uh, definitely a dangerous guy, but... Um, Against Valashvili, I just don't see him being able to stop what's coming. And what's coming is going to be takedowns, ground and pound, and control. Um, uh, Lopez does have a little bit of a, a ground game, but I just don't think that it's enough. Um, yes, uh, Ricky Simone was able to uh, pull off a miracle uh, against Valashvili, picking up a, a technical uh, submission with... Uh, a guillotine in the closing seconds of the third round. And that's the one thing I'm a little bit concerned about is that Devalishvili might have some cardio issues. So if he starts to slow down, maybe Lopez cracks him and, and hurts him and uh, maybe he's able to, to fend off some takedowns and, and do something late. But uh, for those first two rounds, I think Lopez is just going to be on the receiving end of takedown after takedown after ground and pound after ground and pound. And I don't think that there's a lot he can do about it. So um, I'm a little concerned because Devalish really isn't much of a finisher. You know, he's won three decisions in a row in the, in the division and he is a very talented and, and they've been quality decisions. I mean, he beat Terry and Ware, Brad Katona, a tough winner. And then most recently Casey Kenny, and they've been pretty one-sided. So he's looked great and he was looking pretty good in uh, his, two UFC losses as well before. Uh, so, I mean, this is a very talented guy, but there is just a little bit that makes me a little cautious, especially with the, the current odds. So I'm going to side with Tavalish Billy. Uh, Lopez is talented, but I mean, he is literally stepping in on uh, 48 hours notice against a really, really good up and coming band and weight contender. And I just think that that's just too much to ask for somebody. But I do think that, uh, Lopez given a full training camp against somebody at a little bit more his level. I think you'll get to see a lot more of what he's capable of, but I think this time around, it's just going to be takedown, ground and pound, rinse, repeat. So, uh, Devalish Philly is going to be my pick. Now, moving to the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we have Carl Roberson, who is nine and two, taking on Marvin Vittori, who is 14, three and one. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Vittori opened minus 200, the comeback on Roberson at plus 170. Right now, what we're seeing is Circus Sports minus 210 for Vittori, plus 180 for Roberson. So another spot where, you know, this fight obviously was rebooked to move to this card, and the line was actually lower the first time around. And with the public action coming in Vittori's way with sharp action as well, easier to set line number two here with Vittori being a solid two to one favor, but or one to two favor, I should say. So this is a, a good spot for Vittori in a way. I mean, he was talking all that smack and he was disappointed with the Roberson couldn't uh, end up fighting last time. I mean, you know, obviously weight complications, all that stuff that uh, happened and played out there. We all know it, but this fight's going to be fireworks too, man. I mean, honestly, Roberson's probably getting underestimated in this spot right now. I mean, Vittori has a clear path to victory. I think on the feet, this will be competitive. Roberson is definitely the better striker. He's more technical. He's more capable of, of doing damage on the feet for sure. But Vittori is the more well-rounded fighter here. He's going to be the one looking to kind of get those waist locks, get the takedowns a little bit, trip him to the ground, and just smother Roberson as much as he possibly can. And, you know, I mean, again, even in space, Vittori will have success. He's got power. Um, and he definitely, you know, can 
strike with Roberson for a while, but I think the more he strikes with Roberson, the the more he's probably going to get hit and the more he's going to get picked apart as it goes a little bit. So striking edge, Roberson, ground edge, Vittori. Vittori's the favorite, like I said, minus 200 or above because of that ground edge more so than anything else. It's hard to pick against him in this spot because I think if this card hits a if it hits the cards, I should say, um, then it's Vittori's fight to lose. You know, I mean, he's going to probably have that edge, but along the way, if Roberson can land those shots and bust Vittori up and keep off, you know, keep him off his back and, and just keep this fight upright as much as he possibly can, this will be closer than everybody thinks. So I think, again, it's another spot where the value's kind of been drained out of this with Vittori being bet up a little bit more. And, and then we saw the line a little while back be. Much lower, you know. I mean, you could have got a, definitely a better price than you can now. So at this price, I don't think I would bet it, even though I think Vittori is probably the side. I, I'm going to pick him to win, and I expect, again, the grappling to be a big factor here with him getting those waist lock takedowns or just trying to drag uh, Roberson to the floor, get his back or whatnot as well, and just control this fight. Um, now it is his fight to win or lose. So I'm going to pick Vittori, but as the line climbs, I'm getting less and less confident. So um, I think Roberson's going to do a lot better than everybody expects in this spot. But my pick is Vittori. Yeah, this fight was supposed to take place, uh, back on the, the Smith versus Teixeira card. And then, uh, Roberson pulled out with a, a bad weight cut right beforehand. So hopefully everything goes through this time around, uh, because that was just unfortunate. But, you know, my thoughts really haven't changed that much. Um, you know, we broke down this fight fully on that odds cast and, um, the only thing that's changed is that Roberson had a bad weight cut in between. So that actually makes me even more confident in Vittori. Um, Roberson is the better striker. He comes from a strong boxing background. So if this somehow stays standing for three full rounds, then yeah, Roberson has a decent chance to, to pull this out. But, uh, Vittori is a decent striker. Um, I think he can hold his own on the feet and he's durable enough to eat a few shots that will open up opportunities to close the distance and dump uh, Roberson on his back. And and that's really his strength. I mean, he is aggressive, uh, Vittori, uh, in-your-face, high-pressure fighter. He's going to be forcing Roberson to fight on his back foot. And unless Roberson knocks Vittori out clean, uh, I think it's going to be tough for him to win here because uh, I, I just see Vittori go, getting in his grill, um, whether it's in the clinch with takedowns, uh, just a lot of pressure on the feet, and uh, I just don't see Roberson being able to stand up to that. So uh, I just I just really like Vittori. I mean, this guy has a lot of talent. He's young, and he's improving every time we see him. I mean, this guy gave the current UFC champ, Adesanya, one of his toughest fights in the octagon. I mean, Adesanya won a split decision against him. So uh, I just think uh, Vittori is loaded with talent. He's aggression is aggressions through the roof. And I just think that that's going to pay dividends here. Uh, I don't think Roberson stands up to it. And I think uh, Vittori just wears him out and uh, wins a pretty one-sided decision, if not potentially picking up a stoppage along the way. So Vittori is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the women's flyweight division, we have Jessica I, who is 15 and seven taking on Cynthia Calvillo, who is eight, one and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Market opener, I, minus 135, the comeback on Calvillo, plus 115. Right now we're seeing minus 110 either way, so exactly a pick at Circa Sports. And across the Donbass screen, we're seeing about a pick at most places right now. So this is a great fight. I mean, we are seeing two-way action start to come in on this fight. I mean, obviously, Calvillo got the early action, and then we're seeing – um I get bet back a little bit. Now we're seeing it kind of go back and forth and exactly settling at a pick 'em fight. This is kind of a true pick 'em fight. I know the first impression and the first instinct is to go towards Jessica I. She's the bigger fighter. I mean, obviously she's the natural flyweight here. Calveo is moving up in weight class. Um, she's not going to be as strong. She's going to be undersized a little bit as well. Her wrestling isn't to the point where she gets easy takedowns and she's going to be able to just, you know, get Jessica I down at will. So, I mean, Common sense would say that Jessica I should cruise in this fight because she is the better striker of the two. I mean, there's no question. If you look at the footage, you look through the film, I is definitely the better striker. Calvillo does have her moments, though, at times. I mean, she's not afraid to get in there and mix it up, and she can land, and I does get hit probably more often than we want. So I'm not saying it's going to be a total blowout. I think Calvillo will definitely have her moments in this fight, even on the feet, but make no mistake, it's her ground game where 
she's going to excel at in this spot and where she definitely has a better ground game than I, I mean, overall I has a really good solid ground game, probably underrated in most parts. I mean, she's got a decent submission game and she's got really solid wrestling. It's getting better all the time. We're seeing that right in front of her eyes. So, I mean, there's a lot of hard work she's putting in and she deserves to be in the spot that she's in right now and, and staying relevant and, and getting, you know, kind of a headlining bout here, regardless of what people want to say. I mean, she's definitely earned that number one contender spot in a division that's really, you know, after you, you fight the champion, Shevchenko just destroys everybody. I mean, so outside of that, I mean, it's kind of a toss up. I mean, a lot of people can hit that number one spot. And right now I has it. So Cavallo coming in here in a really solid spot. I mean, she could pick off the number one fighter. If she could W here and she has a path to do that. And it's her ground game. Like I mentioned, it's just going to be really tough for her to get eye down. But I do think in a five round fight, she might get her chances to take eyes back or get a trip or catch a kick or something of that nature and try to take uh, just eyes back. And once she gets on her back, she's in business, man. I mean, Calveo is definitely a very formidable opponent um, when it comes to the grappling realm and she's able to, you know, kind of utilize her grappling skills. So that's my concern here. I think I going to be winning this fight um, throughout. She's going to be outpointing Calveo. And then all of a sudden, maybe all it takes is one slip up, one back take. And this fight could definitely change quickly. So, I think I is going to be outpointing her. I'm going to pick I to win this fight. I'm, I'm going that way, but this is a lot tougher than I thought originally at the betting window. My initial instinct was, okay, this is going to be really a really tough fight for Cavillo because she's not going to be able to take I down, like I said, and I is going to pick her apart. And I still do lean that way a little bit, but I mean, like I said, a five-round fight, there's just going to be a lot of chances, even if Cavillo's getting lit up a little bit as it goes, or even if she's going to be clearly losing rounds, she's going to need to kind of get a back taker. She's going to be forced to kind of get in there and, and take risks at times to win this fight, I think. And if that's the case, then she might get it done. So if you're going to bet this fight, another tough one. I mean, if you're going to bet the dog, well, not the dog, it's a pick and price, but if you're going to bet in most people eyes, uh, Calvillo is the dog here. So if you're going to bet her, you better probably by submission, I think. Um, and if you're going to bet Jessica, I, you probably bet her, um, by decision. If you're going to go that route, I think it may be a prop is the way to bet this fight. So this is going to be interesting fight. I'm going to pick Jessica. I, again, I think she's always been underrated throughout her career, but this is definitely not an easy fight for her. So the pick is I though. I think she probably gets it done. My main concern here is that Jessica I might get finished. Um, I think in a five round fight, um, there's going to be some opportunities for Calvillo. Um, I think Calvillo clearly has an edge in submissions and Calvillo, while she's not a particularly great striker, um, she does have a little bit of pop and eyes a little chinny. So, um, that being said, Calvillo is moving up a weight class. Granted, she was big for the, um, strawweight division. So, uh, I think this is going to be a decent transition for her, considering she had some trouble making weight at 115. But uh, Jessica I is one of the bigger uh, flyweights in the division. I mean, that was that's been kind of her strength is that she's big and strong at 125. Um, you know, she she was decent at bantamweight, but I mean, historically, she's always been a, a pretty good uh, flyweight and. She, I think, should be able to, to bully Calvillo a little bit with her size. Um, she's going to have uh, a striking advantage for sure. She pushes a, a pretty good tempo. Uh, she can just keep flashing the jab and use her boxing. Um, and as long as she sticks at kickboxing range, I think she's going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, one of the things that I has added to her game that has really helped her have some success it at 125 pounds is her wrestling. And I think if she uses that wrestling in reverse here, keeps the fight upright, she should win. But uh, the big concern obviously is that uh, Calvillo is a very dangerous grappler and that I is a little chinny. So um, there's going to be opportunities over the course of five rounds for Calvillo to get the finish. Now, neither of these girls has ever been to championship rounds, but uh, something that impressed me was, um, in Calvillo's last fight, which was a draw, I mean, she was well on her way to losing, um, and she was able to really bite down on the mouthpiece, get a takedown in the third round when she was tired and dominate the third round to force a draw with a 10, eight round. So I think, uh, that Calvillo could still come on strong late, even if I is, uh, off to a good start. So that's my main concern, um, that I just let is 
gets a little too comfortable in there and slips up and Calvillo gets a finish because uh, she definitely is capable of finishing this fight on the canvas if she can latch onto something on the ground. And uh, I is a little bit vulnerable with the shin, but if I can just uh, fight her fight and utilize good kickboxing distance and uh, just outwork Calvillo over the course of five rounds, I th- think that's probably her best path to victory. And I think that she can pull it off. So uh, I'm going to pick I, but I'll be concerned that Calvillo finishes her for all 25 minutes if this fight lasts that long. So my pick is going to be Jessica I. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Night 172. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to a free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.